Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, what is happening? It's Dope Knife. It's Lingua Franca. And we are waiting and on And it's Passover. You give me my money. Give me my money. Yes. Also known as also known as Waiting on Reparation. That is the name of the show. <laughs> the name of the game is getting that bag. And this week, we are very excited to be joined by our guest, Kristen K. Chris. If you, you know. K-Death. Uh, one half of the dynamic duo that is Moody Black, who you guys will be seeing touring the country with Pussifer. So be on the lookout for that. But Kada, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Yeah. Um, thanks for the, the intro. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. I got the message a couple of days ago from uh, You Dope Knife. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. I haven't really been feeling like talking a lot uh, we on podcasts and stuff like that. But I guess I'll do it for you. Thank, Aww, oh, thank you, thank us. you, thank well, you. I'm, I'm truly honored. I, I feel like the world of like indie rap that is good is very small, and so I've like been aware of you for a long time. So it's like very like exciting to like. Well, hang what do you out do? You and talk. do you consider what you do to be indie rap these days? I, I mean, I guess if people if people uh, if people think that, yeah. But I feel like we were. I was doing indie rap a very, very long time ago, and I feel like I'm Perhaps still part of it. Understanding it's outdated. No, it's not. It's still it's still relevant because it's you know we we built a a, a following you know, like in those indie rap circles, but I think it was only like two percent of what we do. Uh, so it was kind of you know in retrospect, you know, maybe not the greatest uh, audience for us to just be stuck in for so long. Even though we love, I wouldn't be here today without indie rap. Not that I'm anywhere, but. So, so okay. So, before we get into a, a broader conversation, why don't you, you know, why don't you give a little uh, overview to our listeners, just who you are and what you do? Uh, well, my name again. My name is. It's. I have all sorts of names. It's K Death, uh, Chris, Kristen. Uh, I'm an. I'm a. I'm a. I consider myself first and foremost a, a rapper. As weird as that is, I'm a rapper, artist, uh, musician, and then everything else. People can classify me as I don't like calling myself an activist but I get caught up uh you know being a voice I guess or giving my perspective that tends to be a voice for a lot of people um according to them I don't like I hate I hate when people call themselves activists necessarily because I don't know it's just a weird thing to say that about yourself um, I feel that I feel that yeah yeah and people it's, call it's, me that yeah, all the time and I'm just like I'm not gonna argue with you I don't have time to like mince words but like Okay. I fucking call you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's I think it's one of those things that other people should maybe like uh, like call yeah, you if yeah. they feel like it. Um, but anyway, I've been doing that, and I guess I'm also um, this is an odd left turn, but I'm also a, uh, a cook. <laughs> I cook, and I I own a we own a taco shop now, uh, which is just another thing, another idea that we started with Moody Black uh, when the pandemic hit and we couldn't tour anymore. And we decided to make tacos to sustain ourselves. Oh man! What? So I mean, is there like a theme to the 
to the tacos or no, is it not just like any type of taco? Well, they're all Moody Black themed, uh, but no, the, oh. the, 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 the basis of the food that we have is, is te- we call it new era Tex-Mex and it's just taking all the stuff that I grew up with in El Paso. Uh, a lot of the Southwest flavors, mixing my Mexican and my black side because I'm Mexican and black and we put them together and we, we kind of bridge those gaps in the food world and, and we've been doing oddly enough really, really well. I have no idea why. I'm not, I've never, I, I was a prep chef for a little bit and we worked on a taco truck in LA for a little bit. And then I've been cooking at home forever and we opened a place and it's just been, it's, uh, it's saved our, our lives in a lot of ways. Oh, that's what's up. So, I mean, like, uh, I, I heard that you're, you know, I, I know this is a hip hop show, but you are going on tour with Pussifer, which is like kind of a big fucking deal for us in the indie music scene. You know what I mean? Like to whenever some, something like this comes along. So how did that come along for you? It had everything to do really well. It had a lot to do with Moody Black, but everything to do with the tacos, as weird as that is. Um, (laughs) We've been working for a long time. I've been doing music for, or like actively doing shows and and rapping and doing music for 16 years. And um, we've been, every step of the way has been a battle because we've done really weird, quote unquote, what other people consider to be weird rap music. Um, And it's never been easy for us. We've never fit in. Hip hop never wanted anything to do with us. Um, yet we still, you know, we, we still participated in it the best we could. Um, and so 16 years later, uh, one of the biggest opportunities we ever had kind of happened when I decided to stop caring so much about trying to make it in music. Uh, that didn't mean that I really, like I gave it up. It just meant that mentally, as you know, Dope Knife, we can get so focused on what we want in this business um, that I think you start pushing it, pushing it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I switched that focus to, I'm going to work on tacos, but in the back of my mind, I was like, this is going to help Moody Black. It's a weird thought. Um, yeah. but as you know, I also do my own podcast and for years I was interviewing people. And one of the things I found out was that the people that were successful in the music industry were like, did it on accident. They weren't pe- usually people that were like, yeah, I really want to make it and, and, and grinding and trying to network and figure out all this stuff. It was more like, oh, I, I you know, somebody saw me and then I got a, a break or, you know, I got lucky with the YouTube. It was, it's usually like that. And so I kind of just, I thought that putting my energy somewhere else would attract uh, better opportunities for Moody Black. And I really didn't think it was going to happen. And it really happened. It, it shocked, it shocked me. I was like That's blown dope. away because people talk about manifesting and all that, mm-hmm. you know, you, Anthony Robbins. I did all that stuff. I, I went to see a sports psychologist when I was in college. <laughs> I, got, I knew all about all that, like positive thinking. And I, I tried to institute that, but it, it's so vague and it's so ridiculous. Um, but it worked, as odd, oddly enough. But that was also because we worked really hard for 16 years. And yeah. So anyway, we because of the taco spot, or in part, uh, Maynard Keenan from Tool, the lead singer of Tool, Pucifer, uh, perfect circle. Um, his wife and, and him run uh, a winery in Jerome, Arizona, in the middle of the desert. Weird again, because that's where we're from AZ. A lot of the foundation of Moody Black was about the desert. Um, uh, there's a lot of backstory. Again, I'm, I don't want to go too far away from what we're talking about, but it all went back to the desert and his wife was playing our music while they were making wine. Uh, we, were, we were part of like a lot of playlists that uh, Maynard making would put together. Wine? Yeah, they make wine and then they play like people's bands and music that they like to the wine to like help it mature. Maynard's Ooh. nuts. Yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> um, but it's, okay. it makes sense, right? You know, talk to plants. and But they, they, so they, that's how his wife was like a big fan. I didn't know that because she was on Instagram and I didn't know who she was. I was like, oh, it's a cool, just another supporter. And then, um, yeah, just, I didn't even know about that. And that's going on. And one day... I get a message. I think she messaged me on Instagram like, oh, we got somebody coming out from our winery to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Didn't think about it. And then we were doing like a Saturday morning brunch service at our at our spot here in Minneapolis, just serving breakfast tacos. And this agent from the winery slash Maynard's team comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, like I'm from like... Pussifer and, and Tool and all these people and we just wanted to come try a spot. They bought like a bunch of tacos and bought our merch. And he <laughs> was like, "Tacos, yeah. it was yes. the power. To, it was so weird and loved it. Yeah, it was fucking. It was so weird. Um, and so, 
Yeah, we just had a good conversation. And then he's like, if you get an email, it was so weird. It's like a movie. Like, it's like yeah. stuff that it doesn't happen. And especially, again, because dope, you know, like in the indie world, like it's not, you hear stories and you're like, yeah, that's just some lucky. But like it was happening. And, yeah. and he was like, if you get an email, like that's really Maynard. And I was like, what? <laughs> and the next thing I know, it wasn't, even, it wasn't an email, but like then Maynard just started direct messaging me and then we yeah. just started talking and we hit it off because we he loves he likes to talk i don't know how much he wants me to tell about stuff. he he obsesses about food and like cooking and so that's what we like geeked out on and then next thing you know the management is calling me and then the tour is set up that's crazy man that's insane that's, that's bananas well, well um any, I wanted, well hold on um, do you have any stories like that of just like random coincidences that led you into like insane musical adventure adventures mac yeah um okay so shit kind of the way that the podcast came together it would probably be one of those stories that's true um, I, we didn't even know, really know each other that well at the yeah time. I, well, no, we, we we knew each other but i just <laughs> yeah. mean like we it was it was we were doing like a random show it, you know what i mean when uh we got approached about doing it that easily could have been uh, i can't make it up to athens this weekend you know what i mean it was one yeah. of those things where it was like the circumstances for you had to be right for you to even ask me to be there and then us doing the show together and have you know that dynamic and the chemistry and stuff like that but i guess for me it would probably be the whole um sage francis thing uh sage francis is a you know a, a i guess for for our ilk sage francis is like a big indie rapper right definitely some of our I listeners might not have heard of him but like you know, I had done that show to open up for him, and uh, I think I want to say, you know, I had made an impression. It was good. That also was the first night that I met Mariah, and we had talked in the in the crowd that night. Oh fuck! And then that's um, right. I want to say we know like, each other? yeah, no, we didn't know each other that night, like at all. Like it was just it was that was cold. That was the cold open, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, afterwards, like uh, maybe three, four months later, he hit me up at like three in the morning, and uh, yeah, I just happened to be up, and he was—he hit me up on like all of my stuff, like Facebook, uh, email, like you know, what I mean, Twitter, like all the shit. So I was like, oh damn, I guess this is like real serious. And from then is how I ended up getting down with this label, Strange Famous, and dropping my record. And then I was able to, you know. I've been sustaining my little indie rap career since, so you know that that's kind of my my one story. There is the time when Young Buck from G Unit came to a show I did in Tennessee and bought everything at the merch table with like a huge a rack. It was pretty dope. It was pretty fly. We took pictures and stuff. But um, yeah, you know what? Uh, you were talking earlier about how uh, hip hop never really accepted y'all or accepted you and what you guys were doing and everything like that. And you being a uh, trans artist in the news lately, there've been a lot, a lot of stories where it kind of seems like a lot of the anti LGBTQ or anti trans sentiment that's out there is kind of, it feels like it's culminating to some sort of a peak of some sort that, I mean, obviously is not good but i just we wanted to talk about that and touch some of these stories and then also get some of your thoughts on it and you know just some of your general you know your your origin story and in how you feel in this climate living as a trans woman in this climate so we will be right back with all of that after the jump the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world western nations like the u.s and europe mexico will likely have its first female president and then you have china and help you understand what's happening what it means and why it matters he'll get his yo-yos to europe in time but the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, <laughs> and we back. And I felt like opening with this uh, Huey Newton quote from 1970. Because, you know, I'm all about intersectionality and recognizing the ways our struggles are similar. while Also acknowledging our unique struggles and, so, you know, finding solidarity with people. And it takes me back to this quote um, where he says, friends are allowed to make mistakes. The enemy is not allowed to make mistakes because his whole existence is a mistake and we suffer from it. But the Women's Liberation Front and the Gay Liberation Front are our friends. They are potential allies and we need as many allies as possible. And so as we make this segue from Black History Month into Women's Month and talking about um, issues that impact all of us, ultimately, um, though it impacts some folks more than others, um, just sort of highlighting the way that in liberation struggles historically, folks have, um, you know, found those found those moments of solidarity. Like, you know what? I might not be going through this, but uh, I see you. And I appreciate that as somebody that, you know, lives at those intersections as like queer person, woman, ish, uh, black person, etc. Yeah, you know. But uh yeah, so shit cry out here. I think that it as damn we, sure is. It damn sure is. As we like as people become more open and out and we are evolving in terms of our understanding of all the things that you can be and accepting all the all the things you can be. It makes sense that like the system ramps up to like evolve it as well into new forms of like trying to suppress folks because they I don't know I don't know they 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 scared they scared they like I mean, scared if, they might like sucking some dick or something like I don't know what it I is. think that, I mean like that looks kind of tasty I don't know like I'm scared I don't, I'm scared like scared of trying you, you, know, you already reason. know how I feel about that I feel like all of all of the conservative shit. 80% of that shit is projection, yo. When they say they don't like gay people, it's because they want to be in the bathroom stall with, anonymously with strangers. When they say they don't like trans people, it's because they really think trans women are attractive and they're scared. You know what I mean? Like, like and I, I, mean I, that, I think, and I mean that with no, dis- I mean that with no, no disrespect. disrespect I feel all. like people try to leverage that like homophobically when it's like, it's really okay, boo. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean the fuck. Hello. So okay, so let's 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 recap the situation. I'm sure people are well aware, but let's just recap. So 2021, the year that just passed us, was the deadliest year for transgender and gender nonconforming people in the U.S. on record. At least 50 transgender nonconforming people were killed this year alone. 
per report by the LGBTQ advocacy organization, the Human Rights Campaign. The report also makes it clear that the full number of fatalities is likely higher still as deaths by trans people are usually underreported. Uh, the Trevor Project, which is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization for young LGBTQ people, has published the results of their annual survey on mental health of LGBTQ youth. In it, found that 42% had seriously considered attempting suicide last year. And this included more than half the transgender and non-binary respondents. As many as 31% Native and Indigenous uh, surveyed participants reported having attempted suicide in the last year. Finally, 18% of Latin youth and 12% uh, of Asian and Pacific Islander youth reported having attempted suicide as well. So, um, that's cheery as fuck. Thank you, Mac. I want to... Hey, <laughs> I, I only... I appreciate you, man. I'm just reading the words. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like... We have to really think about these things because, like, one of the attacks that folks try to leverage is that, like, well, this is not the quote, quote, this is not that many people. But we have to really think in terms of disproportionality that, like, um, first of all, there's probably a whole, whole lot more people than you would realize because folks, because of this cycle of suppression, et cetera, these draconian laws, of course, people ain't gonna fucking tell you, like, you know, what they really got going on with them, what they really are. Um, and so there's a lot more people than we think. And then as well, like if you have such high margins of people feeling this way, experiencing these things in a group, that's not, that's, that's horrifying. That's bad. That's bad. And I think like, you know, recognizing intersections of struggles, like, um, the ways that other groups are also like disproportionately impacted by things like police violence, et cetera, the way that these systems all work together to hold people down, perhaps in different ways. But like, you know, the, I, I guess I say all this to say that I find hope when addressing like glaring statistics like these that when we kind of see what our commonalities are and like also see um, perspectives that are different, but like the ways that kind of cross paths at points, it's like, all right, like I can relate to like, uh, I don't know, wanting to kill myself or whatever. I mean, I joke about it, but that's been a re reality in my history. And so, like, all right, I see y'all. Like, let's, like, unite. Let's, like, um, fight together. So I just wanted to uplift that. Because some of this stuff is really hard to talk about. Some of this stuff is really hard to talk about. But I do feel very hopeful at this moment as well as, like, more light is being shed on these issues. That, like, we got this. We can fight. I'm ready to fight. I'm fucking so Chris, it up. Chris, uh, like, earlier we were talking about how things are, you know, seems like they're on the up for you. But is this anything that you kind of struggled with in your youth? Uh, well, first, the first thing about that is we are talking about disproportion or, or the proportion of those numbers is a large amount of those numbers that you're seeing are actually mostly largely black trans women. Uh, I mean, th and that exactly. that's even more alarming. Um, I mean, it's all alarming, but it, that and that's been a trend for a long, long time. And talking about intersectionality, even more in depth, you're looking at uh, that's it's it's so hard to have this conversation because I'm always caught in all these weird intersectionalities, uh, Mexican, black, trans, whatever it is. Um, I'm everywhere. I'm in all these things. And so what I say is a what could sound like a criticism uh, if I'm not black enough of a black community could come across a, a certain mm -hmm. way. Or So you have to be a little bit... I don't really care, but like to be mindful of others because I care, like I don't want to be, I don't want to come across anyway. But uh, bringing that tie into hip hop where hip hop is a largely black centered culture. I mean, it, it came from black culture. Um, and then being a trans uh, woman inside of that, that doesn't, it's so weird because this is where I get so caught up because I can go like a thousand different avenues. Um, it being... Uh, like being a, a, a trans woman's one thing in hip in hip hop or rap or whatever it is music industry period, um, but when uh, when you the the other problem that I get a lot is like I don't look black people don't think I'm black so like they treat uh, black people will treat you a certain different way they realize you're black then all yeah. of a sudden it's totally different then it's a different way <laughs> it's all good uh, I've had that my whole life. Um, 
but now being oh no yeah no same that's like a light-skinned person they're like well which one of your parents is white like actually neither of them and like why the fuck are you asking yeah, that? See, yeah. <laughs> and like, all, and like trying to challenge like your experiences based on how you seem and now where you've been so yeah so it's like i've got i've gotten that static my whole life whatever um but nothing is as terrifying or dangerous or whatever. I've never felt um, like uncomfortable until I came out as a trans person and lived out as a trans person. That was true. That's true fear um, every day of my life. <laughs> it doesn't go away because when I go out there, I don't know. I live in North Minneapolis, which is uh, like a, a largely black Mexican neighborhood. And in those neighborhoods, unfortunately, I feel the least safe uh, because I get followed sometimes because uh, people giving you looks or whatever it is or, uh, you know, kind of you, you've seen. I mean, Dope Knife, you were a witness. Yeah, we yeah, we when we we went on tour uh, before was that 2018? Yeah, I think, I think it was. 2018, 17. And like one of the stops, I'm pretty sure it was like maybe 12 miles outside of Chicago on like some shit like that. And straight up. Like eight Nazis walked into the bar and it was like a standoff. I mean, when I say eight Nazis, I don't mean like motherfuckers with like haircuts I didn't like. I'm talking like literal, you know what I mean? Like insignias and shit on their shirt. It was like a real tense situation. And that was probably like my first time really like, you know, personally like being there like, oh man, like I think we're going to. I think there's about to be some violence going down because Chris. Well, and you, you know, what's what I mean? so funny like, is that you're a black dude that just said you said black. You, you're a black yeah, dude that said no, Nazis for, came in, but they're coming for me. <laughs> like it's the hierarchy. Exactly. Is so crazy. Exactly. Right. I mean, Mac. Honestly, you know, neither y'all was safe. Let's be real, Chris. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, but, no, neither of us were safe. But and I could totally have be reading the whole situation wrong. But I really do feel <clears throat> like if. Chris wasn't there if it was just like me and Chesky and some of the other cats who were on tour that it would have just been a night of dirty looks yeah you get that in that right you know that distinction like Chris being there felt like oh like we're gonna have you know what I mean like we're gonna have to throw both like somebody's going to try to start some shit that's gonna like cause there to be a physical altercation and that's an important that's an it's it's great you bring that up because that's an important difference that I think people need to hear more about when we talk about those numbers that don't seem big when they're like there's 50 because people are missing like how visceral uh, the hate and 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 the bigotry is right now with trans people specifically like it's different it's not and that's like with the Chappelle stuff with the jokes Um, I get jokes but right now is not the time. Like, it's not for trans people. Yeah. This is a legitimately dangerous situation in which black culture looks at Dave Chappelle like he's some sort of prophet. Um, and they're so influenced by that. And even joking about trans people is invalidating the experience. And it just helps to, uh, it, like, to to fuel them, uh, to make it feel like it's okay to bully, to make it feel like it's okay to kill, hurt, whatever it is. But there's also, and they're also like attracted. They're also confused and conflicted because they're attracted. And, you know, like a lot of trans women, black trans women are, are sex workers, which is awesome. And I fully support, get your, get your, make your living. Get that bad, baby. Yeah, like yeah, it's, I mean, and, and plus there's an audience for it. And that's what's so frustrating too. It's like, you know, that, I mean, a lot of quote unquote cis people, which are people that are identify as the gender they were at birth and are usually straight cis het dudes honestly are really into trans women is just a fact <laughs> well let me um let me read some things that have been going on to kind of relate to what you just said in terms of how the atmosphere is right now so um marjorie taylor green who is the representative of this great state of georgia so she was recently on the alex jones oh no show or podcast i don't know what that nigga is relegated to right now <laughs> but she was on the alex jones shit and she was talking about a uh, counselor who identifies as they them at like a summer camp or something and she was saying well first off my husband would have beat him into the ground and then he'd be in jail but that's exactly what you we need to do to stand up against this uh-huh. stuff and then elsewhere in the I'd country heard that one we've got shelly luther who is a former school teacher who's celebrated by in conservative circles because she got arrested challenging like mask mandates or so she was on one of those viral videos going crazy in a Walmart or a Chipotle <laughs> or some shit. 
And um, she she was you know recently at a in a debate a primary debate, and she said, "What we have done is become comfortable." Pretty much, she's advocating for kids being able to bully trans kids in school. She, she was like, "What we have done is become comfortable with." What is okay in our society? I'm not comfortable with transgenders. Uh, the kids that they brought in my classroom, when they said that this kid's transgender and into a different sex, that I couldn't have kids laugh at them. And then she gave a really long pause, realizing what she had just said before she continued. Um, elsewhere, you've got... Uh, the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who offered a legal opinion that providing medical care and treatment to adolescents with gender dysphoria could be child abuse. So uh, that caused Governor Abbott to order that it be immediately investigated as to whether or not kids are getting sex change procedures. Florida passed the Don't Say Gay Bill, which amongst a bunch of crazy shit at one point, an incarnation of it had it that teachers would be outing kids forcibly. Like, the shit is, it's it's getting nuts out there. So do, all right, do you- I'm just going to pause real quick and do a check-in because this is all super fucking heavy. Like, um... I just want to make sure this is, like, okay to be talking about because, like, I know, I mean, for me personally as well, like, this can be just, like, very just fucking, like, traumatizing to, like, read about and hear about all the time. So I just wanted to make sure we're, like, we're good. Like, it's, like, everything, everybody's, like, okay with this just because, like, I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, like, I don't know you, Chris, so I just, oh, I just okay. don't know your comfort um, level with, like, talking to, about this kind of stuff. Oh, no, we're, we're totally good with it. Uh, I like to talk about okay, it. Cool. Uh, and I read about it all every right. morning. The first thing I do in the mornings, that sounds really messed up. The first things I usually do in the morning is I just type transgender uh, news in Google just to see wow, yeah. what other rights they've, you know, are at risk for me or if I got to change my passport real quick before they change it back. Um, but it's... So with, with this with these with this out like mask off open out showing of like transphobia and bigotry by elected officials even you know like it being republicans yeah. in the sort of like low expectations that you usually have for republicans is one thing but this seems like something new like this seems like a new flavor to it or like a more bolder emboldened sort of expression of it. Do you sense that too as yeah, of course. you know being somebody who you said you read the news? <laughs> yeah, no, you see it you see it also because all the stuff that they're saying is untrue. Like it's not it's just not true. Like there's no kids getting uh sex change operations. They don't operate on kids. Period. It doesn't happen. When it does happen is more like with the cis people that have kids that are intersex or what blah blah without the kids consent then they do whatever then the kid comes out later is like hey why did you cut my shit off like i didn't done it right so, no it, they give like quote unquote cis children like puberty blockers if they have like precocious puberty yeah. all like which is not which all is the fine time, but like more than you more than you yeah. would realize but because they're like gender normative quote unquote that's not a problem it's not really about like doing like certain medical procedures on people generally it's only like certain people that they don't want because they're fucking racist asshole like misogynist like homophobic dickheads and it's always it's almost always all of all of it together and it it doesn't it's just not yeah and it's and they they twist all the the narratives to fit what they're saying and because people don't know any better and aren't going to go look at credible sources to to suss that out uh they just go with it and then that's compounded by the jokes and stuff going on in media that's compounded by now it's it's multi-tiered so that's just those things but now they're attacking uh, you know the the, the athletes. Um, so they're taking very small <laughs> instances, like uh, Leia Thomas from Penn, uh, the swimmer that's been winning, which is an anomaly because not it's not true that all trans women are just dominating in sports. In fact, go look at it. Go look at their placement. Even Leia had, had not. I think I'm saying her name right. Was not um, necessarily as dominant. Um, so it's just like they're taking all these things and conflating them, and then making us look really really bad it it just sucks for me because it's like when i first came out in 2016 it was totally different um 
I'm, I was like this my whole, I have an interview, like it's, it's, it's frustrating because I, I was like this my whole life. I can't, it's hard for me to convince people that, are, that think that that's not a thing. And so it's frustrating because I know in my, my brain and my heart that it's like a legitimate thing and that's something I've dealt with. So I know this isn't a fad. I know this isn't uh, people just getting into this like people think or the nar- another narrative of like, oh, they're just, this is just cool to do in school. I don't know why anybody would want to go through all that bigotry. <laughs> so it just, again, it doesn't add up when you start looking at uh, all that. But that's what's frustrating is I, it sucks to have to be like, like I can't just go out and do things because like I feel like I'm a statement when I'm just trying to like do my thing. And every day I go out there, I know that people, I don't know what they're thinking, but I know it's out there. So I can feel like the narrative of the world is like projected on me when I'm out about doing things. It's real. that part sucks. And then being a musician and stuff on top of that, kind of, it's good and bad. It's like one thing to like break barriers and be like, yes, this is a a trans woman. Sounds like this, looks like this, can be a badass like this and fuck you. Uh, But it's a whole nother thing. Like when they're hitting me up on like social media and stuff like this, Pucifer thing is going to be funny because it's already a whole different level of getting weird, weird comments and stuff like that. (laughs) We were, I was very insulated in the indie rap world. Oh yeah. I know it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an experience for you. But but. see, it's not, it's not, (laughs) again, it's so weird because it's not about me. Like, and that's the other thing with music right now that I, I've been like, I, I, all this cool stuff's happening. But if you notice, like I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to put too much out there. I feel weird like promoting right now. Cause like there's so much horrible, like yeah, there's all these horrible things. And I'm like, why, what does music have to do with this right now? Like I'm like sitting here talking about like touring and like, like, you know, like there's all this heavy stuff going on. So it's weird. Like, I don't know if that's just me personally or if, if other people feel like that now, or if it's just me getting old and like feeling that way, I don't know. It happens in waves for me. Like there's there's certain things that come up, like certain, I don't know whether I want to say stories, but certain like events, like world events that kind of kill my motivation for things like that, like you know, music or talking to people about my music or my album coming out and stuff like that. For example, the, the biggest, you know, elephant in the room was COVID. Like when COVID hit, it just killed all creative drive I had for like six months and I didn't do shit. Or when I was in like high school and 9-11 happened, it was like, uh, you know, it was like, it just, just put it, you know, like the political implications of it, you know, you know, aside, I wasn't even thinking like that back then. It just put a damper over me expressing like joy or happiness and like any other thing. It was like, oh, well, let's, it's a relatively a small thing compared to this other shit that's going on, you know? Yeah. Like, do you... It's do you, funny you say that... Oh, sorry. No, I was part. just going to ask if you felt, uh, Mariah, felt like that. Felt like, like particularly what we were talking about with the pandemic or... Not even just the or pandemic. Or like the way the marginalization yeah. within hip hop. Like being, like with everything going on right now, feeling like you want to, yeah. you know, promote things that you got going on, whatever, whatever it may be. Like, do you feel that way where it's like there's... And you're doing a lot of like important work <laughs> it's like it's you know i know you got a lot of stuff going on too like i don't know about that well i mean but... even this podcast I, I was able to follow um so i was happy when you first got it by the way i'm just i never get a chance to talk to y'all too much but um i just i mean even doing this kind of thing is like to me i'd be i could be more invested in that because i feel like at least we're talking about relevant things as opposed to like a music in music it's like well, i think i'm a god in the songs like this is so dumb <laughs> Well, okay. So here's how I look at it. So, I mean, I do my 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 work is bec- like my music is becoming increasingly political because of the pandemic because I had the opposite experience of Mac, like sitting alone in my house, like no longer drinking myself to death on the weekends. <laughs> like cuz there's no bars open. I like started like writing, right? And then for the show, we write we write raps every, you know, um every week. And so like, you know, building that fitness. And so I started writing a lot more political stuff. Not and it's been like it's been like weird to promote like because yeah we're like oh yeah like you know bump the single or whatever but like um <laughs> like everybody's dying and like ah oh, you know yeah. like it fucking feels bad but in this instance at least it's like it enables us to have interesting conversations 
Like, mm. what, like with this like new music I've been making, like you know, I've been talking to people about labor organizing, talking to people about cycles of trauma that drive the fact in hip hop that folks are like, yeah, I'm smoking blunts and I'm driving my car down the street with a bottle of Henny in the hand. Like, where does that come from? Like in some of the songs, but even in the instances of like, yo, I'm the shit and you not. And like, I am drinking Henny and driving around and like whatever sort of like twerking celebrations of self in these various ways. Like, is an act of resistance to, like, all of the shitty shit that we are, yeah. like, living through. It's like, you have to find some joy. Otherwise, how are you going to keep fighting for freedom? How are you going to keep I, just living? Just living. And it's and that in itself being an act of resistance if you're living on the margin. So, like, like if you got to, like, write, like, you know, drop singles every other week about, like, how much pussy you get or whatever, great. If that <laughs> makes you feel better, great. Because everything's, everything is kind of bad. So, like, I, do what you got to do, boo-boo. Like, I, don't, I, I, I won't judge in the, in the least slightest. I agree 100%. That's usually that's the sort of thought process that gets me out of that funk whenever I'm in it is yeah. that I start start thinking about it that way. I mean, that's what got me out of the shit during the pandemic. You know, I, I admit I definitely I definitely was thought it was going to be worse than than it ended up being and it was bad. But I thought like, you know, civilization was about to collapse. So I was like, oh, man, not yet. there really is no not point yet. to any of this. But then once I once I got past that point, I felt my creative drive start coming back a lot quicker than that. So sorry to get back to the show. You know what? We're going to take a little break for a second and then we're going to come back. But when we come back, you know. I hate to just make it doom and gloom and talk about what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, because everything's wrong. Trust me, everything's wrong. But uh, I'd hate to just talk about it without at least brainstorming and throwing out some possible solutions for some of these things out there. So when we come back, we're going to we're going to talk about what can we do to change this climate that we're in. Um, And we'll be back with that after the jump. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back and we are talking with K-Death. So, like I said before we took the break, what, what do you think people can do on an individual level first to to make even an incremental smidgen of a change in this climate of like intolerance and hate that we got going on right now i guess i mean, I mean it increased intolerance and hate. <laughs> it's, it's tough to say because it's like it, it it's like a, it, it just depends on if people are going to be ready to, to change or not then that, that's it's just hard to change people it's hard to get people to change uh i don't know if, if individuals I don't, I can't, I can't answer the question because it's like, I know what I can do to help like, uh, influence people. Uh, and hopefully we get enough allies to make, to make more visibility, to make it more normalized and to get through to people. I know I've done that on a personal level for people that I know and, and friends or, I mean, I'm sure I've, I've even done it for maybe even you dope knife. I've done it for, for people that, that haven't worked with trans people or trans women, that it's also I'm also a good bridge I think we need more people that like I used to play college basketball with these knuckleheads that were just horrible <laughs> in the locker room. like I know these people I know how they work I know how they operate but and so I also know that if they know me like they they would be a lot more willing and they would a lot of the people that do know me accept me I mean I've lost a lot of really close friends too um, that's what I mean. There are some people that are just not going to change. Um, but there's also a lot of people that have changed be ju- just because they know trans people, because they know uh, their friend is trans. And then, you know, they, they find it within themselves to like accept. It's just so ridiculous. They need to do that. Um, oh, so I ha- okay, I have a question. And this, Mariah, this is for you too. So, okay, okay. do you think, do you think that, um, do you think it's more important to focus on making the change at a, legislative level whatever legislation needs to be changed to sway the public in that or do you think that it's more important to focus on making that change in people from a cultural level music movies television the arts things like that i think all terrains of struggle are equally valid and necessary so like mutual aid if you see some somebody who you know they got kicked out of their house because their parents found out they were you know queer or if someone got fired or just a lot of just the ways that materially people are oppressed like if you got if you got money to give somebody help out with their rent or their car payment or their gender affirming surgery that matters because if people have the basic the their people are more likely to fight for freedom if they have their basic needs that's why you see um, like more like middle class ass like white ass cis hetero people like or more comfortable out there like you know like advocating for what they want because they're comfortable and they're fucking fine and everything's cheery for them or not or you know sitting home because they have everything they need and they don't even care it's folks at the margins that like struggle to like make it to city hall to advocate for legislative change or like whatever um because of the ways materially like they like they have this insecurity that holds folks back from um from engaging and so like i think that at all levels that's important because it helps if you want legislative change you need a mass movement of people that feel empowered enough to fight for it and if you aren't like if you aren't eating if you can't get food or whatever whoever you are whatever your circumstances you know this not being unique to our community here um like you like it's it's gonna be hard for you if you don't have a physical mailing address to like get your voter registration card it's gonna be pretty hard to make legislative change and then on the on the role of art um, on the role of art, um, I mean, I think that's also a part of building a mass movement, right? So, like, you know, you you like meet, you tr- you tour the country and you meet all kinds of people and talk to them and then inspire them with your ideas and they inspire you with theirs and like, you know, that's helping build up a mu- movement, like showing people the different ways to be an artist. Like, yeah, like you can, you, you like you can, you don't have to be like a straight black male in rap. Um, and fucking kill it and just be the illest with the bars ever Um, as a way to like model for folks like the different kind of world we can live in I think like art plays that role also in like helping build that mass movement and change people's minds Um, 
So like, it's like two sides to it, all of which can lead to legislative change, but it's not like just go vote. Oh, just go vote every four years. I'm like, vote for about what? Like, what are we trying? Like, what are y'all trying to achieve? Also, I don't have a fucking a mailing address because I got evicted. So like, I don't know what y'all want me to do to register to vote somewhere. I don't have a place. All these things work together, I think. Well, and there, what do we think, there's Chris? been that mass movement uh, in, 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 in art, in music, in, in movies, yeah. in film. I mean, in your, and you see, we're not talking about the good, we talk about all the bad stuff, but there's been a lot of progress for trans people. I mean, I've been able, been, yeah. yeah, like I've been able to, to do a bunch of stuff that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to do a few years ago. Um, and even just, uh, yeah, from the people that everybody knows, like your Laverne Cox and all that, and all those awesome people. But like, there's also... You know, like the Pose uh, TV show that came out, I, which I, it's hard for me to watch. I love that show, but it's so hard to watch because it's so um, visceral. Like, I, I just relate too much to the situations where it's like, I don't want to be depressed anymore today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, so you see all those movements happening and you see it happening with the current, uh, the people that are, politics are weird, but the people that are, are, are in charge right now have made some changes that, uh, that corrected some stuff that was there from the previous administration. So that's why I was like, I'll take advantage of this time to like, you know, take take what I can from what little bit we're given. Um, but that does help a lot. I think ultimately bigots won't care just the same way that, I mean, cops don't care. I mean, it's just like, why would random citizens care about what they do to people? Um, right now, I think we could eventually get there. And I think what you said is like, yeah, you have to have a balance of, of people getting that visibility. And it's cool that I mean, to bring it back, like that's what we're doing, even with to have a trans like fronted band, trans woman fronted band on a, on a Pusifer tour is, is pretty un, it just doesn't, hasn't happened. Uh, maybe to have this taco shop that we own, I think it's probably the first trans woman owned taco shop. So I think, oh, shit. I don't, in Minneapolis, <laughs> that's what's I, don't, that's so I don't know any others. So maybe there is. At least in Minneapolis. Yeah. At least um, <laughs> but I mean, it's rare, but that's the thing because again, like we were talking about earlier, the uh, marginalized people just don't have access to that. And I had a lot of privilege um, based on having a career, a little bit of career in music, but also because uh, my parents, like I wasn't rich or anything. We were like a middle class, but my dad was, had his green card forever, was straight from the Mexican border and my mom was from El Paso too so it was it was weird because they never taught me they never I never felt like all the stuff they're talking about now about being marginalized and all I never had that language and I was never brought up like my parents didn't talk about that it was weird they didn't talk about that I wasn't raised necessarily like that so I didn't think in terms of like oh I'm a marginalized person when I was younger looking back in retrospect I see all these instances where those things happen where I wasn't aware of them um but they insulated me in a way from a lot of that. And even now they don't think like, it's really weird. I don't know if, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause even now it's like a generational divide. I think, I think it is a generational divide and they were lucky enough to do really well. Uh, like my dad, it just, I, I, he, I had, it's just amazing what he did coming from, from there and just be able to yeah. just chill in Phoenix with the nice house. Like it's like, it's, and again, they don't have a ton of money. They're still working and about to retire, but that gave me the privilege that a lot of marginalized people that don't have those supports um and so like I, that that's and i'm ignorant and probably have a lot of stuff to work on too because of the fact that maybe i'm not as compassionate maybe to like other trans people or people of color so i think it's important to have that awareness too especially if you're going to be called an activist like that's the thing is like it's easy to say something when you've had this privilege even as a marginalized person uh, but it's different. I try to hold space for people that have different cognitive things going on, whatever it is. Like, we're not all equal. Like, some people can't handle things and it's not their fault. It's just they've been through trauma. They, they, they got different mental capacities. And I don't think we should, like, I don't, that's why it gets hard for me to talk about these. Because it's like, I try to, like, be aware of all these things. And it's, it's everyone's different. It's, there's no blanket answer for how to fix things in that way because it's it's all just so complex well all we can do is our best at the end of the day right well, two th- two more things that i would say um first of all what you brought up about like you know being becoming more compassionate etc and returning to this idea of uh intersectionality and solidarity um because like you know like mac might understand the experience of seeing some nazis in a bar 
that, you know, even though he may have a very different experience than you, Chris, in that moment, like, yo, like, I I, like, recognize what that fear might feel like for someone who's different than me. Or, like, because I've been through XYZ trauma that is different than someone else's, it's like, well, I've never, like, I don't know, like, been in a horrific house fire, but, like, I have, like, lost loved ones and been in other things, so I can see you. I can see the kind of struggle that you have, even though the things we've been through are different. So, like, even if I don't know, I don't understand a lot about someone's experience, I can understand the emotions underneath of, like, how much it hurts when we when we get these anti-trans bills and, like, we have all this crazy stuff happening. Like, I'm like, man, as someone that has experienced marginalization of different kinds, I see, I see y'all. I know a little bit of how that feels. And so I feel like that's a powerful root of solidarity, even if in a way to expand our compassion, even if we don't all the time understand everything of what somebody else is going through. And then a last word on like, what can we do? Um, I do think that, you know, folks who are safe or comfortable enough in their lives where they can do so need to like, this, this might sound weird, but like people, everybody needs to come out. Like, because that is like a powerful form of resistance of saying like, oh, y'all gonna say like my identity is like pretty much illegal. Well, fuck you. My pronouns are they, them and suck my dick. Good night. Um, and like really stay like, you know, cause there's societal pressures even for like folks that are otherwise comfortable to like fit in or da da da. I was like, no, now is the time to like really lean into who you are to like show folks you're not afraid to model for younger people who are especially getting marginalized with these like bills against you know young folks getting any it's like sort it's of targeting fr- young people almost. yeah targeting like gender affirming care for like young folks like show them. It, i hate that I feel like oh it, that whole like oh it gets better campaign bullshit but like really like show folks like yo you can thrive like you can thrive out here like there is hope and there is a future by like modeling that for people. So I just want to give props to you, Chris, for being out here, being a fucking role model for the people oh, of just living, li- just being dope as hell. <laughs> so well, uh, can, you tell the, can, you, yeah. can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Oh, noiserap.com because we own noiserap.com and that's not the impressive part. I love that. That's oh my God. And amazing. Don't get me started. Yeah. See, that's two That's another two hours of trying to tell people. <laughs> I don't know. Again, Let's go. just to set the record straight. Yeah. That's just dialect. Of course. I don't know if you know dialect. Dialect is as hip hop as know, it could be. Yeah, dialect is dope. Yeah. As hell. So they're the, what I consider the, the first real people to put noise and rap together. So that's cool. We already, we've, we toured with them. It's cool. Um, but uh, we're, we we were the ones doing the new era noise rap stuff, which was, and it's totally different. Go listen to Dialect and then go listen to Death Grips and go listen to Moody Black and then tell me that it's the same. Please tell me it's the same to my face <laughs> when I'm, you know. But anyway, yeah, so they could find us at noiserap.com. Uh, you can find us, M O O D I E, Black. Uh, oh, and, and speaking of, of those pronouns, pronouns are she, her. I fuck, and that's the other reason why podcasts trip me out, though, too, because it's like, you know, like, when I'm rapping, let's go on with the, let's go on with the rap voice. Let's do this and let's rap. <laughs> but after that, it's like, God damn it. Why is my voice so damn deep? It's the most conflicting thing in the world. It sucks. <laughs> well, speaking of rap, we are going to close this show up the way that we do every week. Mirai, are you ready to spit some bars? Let's go. Hey, Joel, drop a beat. I know bigotry like it's part of my hand. They wanted you to think trans was the silence of lambs. My niggas call that a scam. It was part of their plan. They want to force you out the closet because they closeted clan. Now we call that projection, all that and then some just to compensate for what they call an erection. Conservatives, the GOP, nationalists, Nazis say the same shit like their pamphlets was copied and blaming the senders. Y'all faking pretenders. I ain't cool with no one who used the phrase gay agenda. That goes for the hoteps. I'm dope and I flow best. Shout out to the Ukraine. I hope it ain't Hopeless. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, dope we have, knife. Oh, sorry. Fuck. Hey. hey. You're dope knife. And who are you? I don't know. But Frank, we're gone because we're done. We're done. We'll see we're y'all done. next week. Thanks Waiting on reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford. 
a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.